As a matter of fact, baby, why don't you open this up with a word of prayer? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, baby. Hallelujah. Well, does anybody remember what we've been talking about? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We're talking about walking in the blessing, right? And specifically, we're talking about national level. But that doesn't mean that uh, individuals aren't involved in that. It's a whole bunch of individuals make up a nation, right? But we'll get into the individual blessing next week. Uh, as you can see, we've got Blessed is the Nation, Lesson 2 on our handouts. And we're going to begin reading tonight. We're going to spend most of our time in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. That's where we'll probably spend most of our time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, are you got our scriptures ready? Let's just let's just jump into chapter one, uh, chapter five, verse one, and look at that title: God's disappointing vineyard. You know the church. Of course, Isaiah tells us that uh, Israel is God's vineyard, but uh, it also applies to the church. The church is called a vineyard. The church is called. Uh, uh, garden, and a lot of this wording that you're going to see tonight, you'll find in the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, uh, which is an awesome, and that talks a lot of prophetically about the church as well. But uh, you know, Israel really let God down, and I can't help but think the church has really been disappointing to the Lord. Look at. Look at where America's at. It has to be so disappointing to the Lord because, well, let's just look at this first, first verse here. It says, now, let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. The, the beloved here would be Jesus. 
were his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill, fruitful hill. See, God's placed his church, just like he did Israel, on a, on a very fruitful hill. Uh, a city that cannot be hid, right? Shining forth. Jesus said no one lights a candle and sticks it under the table, you know, which is what the church has spent a lot of time doing in order to get America as a nation to where we're at now, slipped out of the blessing. Now, individually, we're still walking in the blessing as believers. Thank God. We'll get into this in more detail next week. But uh, the nation itself has slipped out of the blessing of God, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So, uh, you know, the, the church, I'm just going to say Israel, like Israel, the church is, is being confronted today for her disobedience, for taking that candle and sticking it under the table. And uh, even today, even today we have many churches that won't, they won't mention anything to do with politics. They won't mention, you know, as far as they're concerned, you just bow down to the government and do what the government says because they misunderstand the scriptures in Romans that tell us that we're to obey the government, and we are. And even a corrupt government, we need to obey unless we want to end up in jail. But uh, how many of you know God says governments are put here to dispense his righteousness and his purposes? And so when you have a government that turns tyrannical, we're not obligated to obey them in any way, shape, or form, especially when they try to shut down the church or tell us how to believe, tell us that... Uh, you know, dictate to us that we can't worship God. That's, that's when we have to be like Peter and say, well, whether or not we obey you, you decide, but we've got to obey God. It's, it's right to obey God above even government when government turns tyrannical. Let's go to verse 2. Now, notice that he, this vineyard, he dug it up. I love the King James. If you've got a King James, probably says he fenced it. He fenced it. Now, we're going to look at a lot of preparations that God made for nations and for you and me to be blessed, to walk in that blessing. He went out ahead of us, and he made provisions for that to happen. He dug, he dug it up and cleared out its stones, right? That when, remember Jesus in the parable of the sower? The stony ground is that heart that receives the word, but they don't get rooted because it's just stony, and it's it's very shallow root system. And when the sun comes up, it scorches them. And the sun is symbolic of trials, tribulations. Every one of us are going to be tried. You know, Pam and I were just talking about that on the way here. Um, so many Christians don't understand trials and, and chastising and tribulation. It's a purpose. It's all designed to grow us up and get us closer to God. And when we don't recognize that, we get into trouble. But see... If we're, God wants us to be blessed. So he goes out ahead and he cleared out all the stones. Now, think of the Garden of Eden. Think of the Garden of Eden. We talked about this. If, if you weren't here last week, you can pull it up on the podcast. And we talked about the Garden of Eden. When we're walking in the blessing, basically it's restoring us back to the Edenic covenant. Where we're walking in paradise. Where we're walking in the, the blessing of God. God blessed Adam and Eve, remember, and said, Be fruitful, multiply. Tend this garden, which, look, he says, he built a tower in its midst. He told them to keep it, watch out for it, watch over it, and that's where Adam failed. The serpent, the devil came in, tempting them, right, in the person, he, he possessed that serpent, and, and uh, 
he, wouldn't, he, he didn't keep the garden. And when, when we fail to do that, now we're talking about as a nation, but even individually, when we fail to do that, who, who's in the towers? Who's along? Who's a, the watchman? The watchman on the wall. God places watchmen in the church. And, and we need to listen to them when they're blowing the horn because they're saying the enemy's here. The enemy's here. Look out. Here he is. Here he comes. Here's what he's doing. So he built, he, 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 he dug out the stones. He fenced it. He, he built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. What's that tell you? He expected something. He expected fruit from, from our labors. He expected fruit. So what the wine press is for is to make wine. It takes all that fruit from the grapes, and then you make wine out of it. And that's what God wants. He wants to make, he, he wants the wine, harvest the wine in our lives. He expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Man, let's go to verse 3 and 4 here. We're going to camp out here on these two verses for, for a little bit. And now, okay, he's fixing to pronounce his disappointment and judgment on this nation. And I believe he's fixing to pronounce judgment on America. A lot of people are saying we're under judgment now. And that may be so, I don't know, but I just tend to think we're not. I tend to think we're still being warned. And as you're going to see, we'll get into it, our hedge is deteriorating. Our hedge is dissolving. So it seems like we're under judgment because the enemy's penetrated because the hedge of blessing starts to dissolve. But uh, he says, Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, or we could say the church, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. Now the next verse. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I've not done in it. You know, didn't Peter say he's given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness? Uh, Ephesians 1.3 says that, we, we quoted this last week, uh, blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's all, it's a done deal. Paul said it this way, that uh, uh, Jesus Christ is, uh, since we're in Christ, how much he, God loved us in it while we were yet sinners. And so those who are in Christ, how much more will he freely give all things? Freely gives us all things. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He's not holding back. God's not holding back anything from us. How many of you know he gave Jesus everything? Jesus is seated now at the right hand of the Father. He, he's, he's, God gave everything to Jesus. He's given judgment to Jesus. Given, well, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus has, he's given to us freely. And he says, what more could I have done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected, turn to your name and say, God expects some things. And, and here we're talking about nations. God expects things from a nation. And we're, we're fixing to find out specifically a little bit later. But when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now back up to verse 3 for a second because he's sitting here. He says, he says, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. 
You know, when the first, uh, last week we started talking about that uh, in Deuteronomy. He says, I, I call heaven and earth to witness today. Remember when he says, choose life. I'm calling heaven and earth to witness today what you're going to do. Obey these commandments and you'll be blessed. But if you turn to the left, start turning, straying from my commandments, you're going to get into the curse. And I want to just clarify this. I don't want it sound like we, we got to be so careful because we're walking in the blessing, we stumble, and then we're in the curse. That's not what I'm saying at all. We're in the blessing. A lot of people don't enjoy the things that are in the blessing. But if you're in Christ, you're in the blessing. But let me tell you this. You can open yourself up individually. Your hedge can deteriorate through disobedience. And, and, and other things can cause that hedge to come down, and you open yourself up to curses. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of get a little more detail of that going on. But uh, so God does that. Uh, I'm going to uh, turn to Matthew 33, 37. I don't know if you can get there. Uh, Matthew 12, 33. Matthew twelve thirty three through 37. Because it's out of your own mouth. In other words, when he's calling witness, he's calling heaven and earth to witness. See, the children of Israel, when he said this, the heaven and earth, all the angels, every, earth, every, every creature is hearing what's coming out of your mouth. And that's what we're going to judge by. You're going to be judged by what's coming out of your mouth. And when you start to go downhill and you start to stray from my word, you're going to understand why now. You're going to understand this. Uh, uh, can you get there, John? Or 1233 through 37. Um, it says, Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and it's fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Now, he's talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? See, now we're talking about speech here. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This, this right here is your faithometer. <laughs> this is your gauge to, to determine, are you walking in the blessing are you pronouncing curses? You know, James said with the same tongue, we bless and then we also curse. We can curse our children. We curse people around us with this tongue. And, it's, and, and, and like God said, he said, I'm calling heaven and earth as witnesses. And remember the children of Israel, even when they got into the promised land or the place of blessing, they began to stray from God. And they began to worship other gods and fall into all the curses that were pronounced. But now Jesus goes on to say, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified... And by your words, you'll be condemned. Wow. Man. So it's our own mouth. It's by God lets man 
speak and judge himself through his own lips. And that's determined through our faith and obedience to him. If we make the tree good, we're going to speak good things. We're going to have faith in God. And we're not going to be condemning ourselves in front of all of heaven and earth that is called to witness for us. Uh, I'm going to go over here to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Did, remember, did anybody read uh, Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30? I mentioned that last week. Um, if you really want to get blessed in this and understand when we were talking about obedience and stuff uh, and faith, read those, man, because this, God will speak to you. He'll, he'll, he'll show you some things in here, but I'm reading out of the NLT. Uh, ooh, wow. Mm. Okay, well, we'll come here later. We'll go to Deuteronomy first. I was in Romans. We're going to go to Romans next. Then we'll come back and camp out on Isaiah. I'm in the NLT. This is Deuteronomy 30, starting with verse 11. And this, the title of this is The Choice of Life or Death. Remember, we determined last week the first, one of the first questions was, uh, if you want to walk in the blessings, guess what? It's a choice. He says, choose ye this day. <laughs> choose ye this day. Blessings or cursings. And then he tells us what to choose. Choose life. Choose blessings. I'm, I'm in Deuteronomy 30, 11, right? I'm fixing to start on 11. And I'm reading from the NLT. He says, this command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you. And it's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven, so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so that we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. See, it's not rocket science. We can't obey, and we talked a lot about this last week. Again, if you guys want to get hold of this stuff, I suggest go back and listen to last week. Meditate on this stuff, because I'm telling you, 90% of us in the church are not walking in the fullness of blessings, myself included. Uh, I continue to move closer and closer to where I think God wants us all. But, man, the only way we're going to get there is to meditate on these kind of scriptures that are talking about the blessing and walking in the blessing. But he says, look, it's up to you. It's not a difficult thing. This isn't so hard. It's not far away. God has spoken. He's called heaven and earth as witnesses, and he's listening to what's coming out of our mouth. And as he's put it in our hearts, we can obey it. He says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. Seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Hmm? But how many Christians are living a life of disaster? They're not in prosperity at all? He says, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments now, and decrees. Man, it's a commandment. Well, I'm not a robot. No, love is not like that. Love is not an emotion. 
Love is obedience to a command of God. We, we treat them and speak to them and hold them valuable by God's command. That's what love is. That's what love does. It doesn't expect to be loved back. It doesn't love because this person loves me. It loves because God said love that person. Keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways, by walking in the blessing, in other words. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But <laughs> if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, me and Pam were just talking about this on our way to work. A lot of people just don't get it. Why? Listen, the things of God and the things of his blessing, you know what we need to be like? What'd you say, God? What? Let me write that down. Okay, I'm going to go study that. Oh, Terry said something about studying these three chapters. I'm going to study these. What? Because if you don't, guess what? You're going to miss it. The devil's going to come and snatch it right away. If you don't, he says, if you turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, remember that was one of our signs of being in the curse is idolatry, demon worship, all these things that we never in a million years would have dreamed of, they start coming on us. Worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long and good or prosperous life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Verse 19, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, here's that word again. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Verse 20, you, now this is good and I love the NLT. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. It even tells us how we can make the right choice and how we can accomplish it. This is the key to your life. I love the New King James where the King James says, for he is your life. God himself, Jesus is my life and length of days. He is the one who leads me into the blessings and the promised land. He's my life and length of days. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to move over to Romans chapter 10 now. Romans chapter 10. Uh, let's start with verse 3. He's talking about the Jews here. And really Romans chapter 3, if you're taking notes, is a good one to read and study along with this. Because he's talking about how God's provoked, intended to provoke the Jews to jealousy. 
by bestowing the blessings on Gentiles. For they don't, he's talking about the Jews, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Remember last week, we determined obedience is huge, but I, I, I wanted to make it clear. We're not talking about legalism here. We're not talking about a doctrine of works. We're talking because we saw in Galatians last week, it's by faith that we enter into the blessings. It's by faith we grab a hold of it. And remember I asked the question last week, I said, does, does, but does faith nullify obedience? Of course not. We, we don't disobey God or disregard the laws of God just because we have faith. No, that's ridiculous. We obey. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So we do it because we love him and we've got faith in him. And that means perfect obedience. If we want to walk in the blessings, we've got to be quick to repent. When we miss the voice of God, we need to be quick to repent because you're opening up yourself for the devil to come in. But they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Okay, we talked about that. See, even Christians will slip into legalism when we're talking about things like obedience. It's, it's, uh, I was, Pam and I were both credentialed to preach in the Pentecostal Holiness Church, which was a very rigid, orthodox, legalistic type of denomination. And it, you, we've really had to spend a lot of time repenting of this legalism because you can slip into legalism or you can, like I said, Last week, even, you can get confidence in your knowledge of the word. We think that not having a knowledge of the word is a good thing, and it is, but you, if you're not careful, you can start putting a little confidence in what you know about the word. No, no. devil can slip in and get you off track real easy. It, it, God is the one that we stay focused on in Jesus Christ. But see, uh, so Christ has already, I love this, Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So when you're made right with God, guess what? You're in the blessing because you've been justified. Now, you may not at this point be enjoying all the blessings. We talked a little bit about them last week, and we talked about the curses. But some of the things about walking in the blessing are healing, health, prosperity, having our needs met, all these things we talked about, right? Now, he goes on to say, for Moses, verse uh, 5, for, is this a, oh, you got it. For Moses uh, writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, see, now he's quoting Deuteronomy. Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that's to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead, that's to bring Christ back up again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. And then it goes on talking about how can they hear, though, unless a preacher is sent. Right? How, and, and so we, get, we go through all that and we get down to verse 14. Uh, 
And how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Let me say this. How can we enjoy the blessings if we've never studied what the blessings are? How can we understand and be healed if we don't study the word enough to understand? It's the will of God to be healed. Always. Uh, You know, I love F.F. Bosworth in his book, Christ the Healer. I'd highly recommend that book to get on the doctrine for the doctrine of healing. It's one of the best books ever written. He's, He's one of the old timers. Christ the Healer. F.F. Bosworth. And he said, I hope I can get this quote right. He said this, uh, it is impossible to believe for that which we do not already know is the perfect will of God. See, if I don't understand what God's will is, I can't have full assurance of faith. I I, I just can't. There's going to be a doubt. There's going to be, well, I wonder if it's God's will that I be healed. I will uh, you know, let's, we could get real blatant with it and say, well, uh, I, if I'm not knowing what God's will is, uh, <laughs> I could say something as stupid as, well, should I rob this bank? I, I'm, just, I'm just not certain. Well, no, of course not. We know that's not God's will, so I should not do that. Right. But when it is God's will, I should do God's will. And healing is his will. But I can't know that unless I study it. Unless I obey the word, unless I get faith in it and exercise faith on that and bulldog faith and not be moved from it, not turning to the left, not turning to the right, not allowing the devil to come in and steal it. But he goes on to say, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how, verse 15, will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You've got to have preachers and teachers who are called... And, and sent to the body of Christ or sent to, if they're, if they're uh, not called to the church, then they're called to evangelize to the lost people. But listen, even in the church, when God calls someone and puts them behind a pulpit, you would do well to listen to them and, and, and study. what. Don't take them blindly. Don't take anything pastor says or I say without studying it out for yourself. But, man, if it lines up with Scripture, you need to do it. Because I know there's other preachers out there who people like to listen to. But you live here in Yukon. You're in this church right now, and God's put a minister behind this pulpit to minister to what's going on in Yukon and in this church right now. See, Pastor Joe Blow over here on TV, who you might like to watch, doesn't understand all that. He doesn't know all that. He's preaching to his congregation. And this is where a lot of Christians miss it. You listen to 50,000 prophets, 50,000 ministers, and, and it, it just clutters up everything. It, it doesn't have to be false teaching. It can all be true and right. But it's not, you're not getting the prophetic direction that you need for right here and now. Can you see that? Okay, where are we? Ooh. And how... Will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, (laughs) I love it, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And then I love it, it ends down here. Let's jump down to 20. And then later Isaiah says, spoke boldly for God saying, I was found by my people who were not looking for me. 
I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, he said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. Therefore, they didn't walk in the blessing. They missed the blessing and walked in curses because even after God reveals himself to the Gentiles and blesses their socks off the ones who believe, it was intended to provoke them to jealousy, didn't work. They just stayed obstinate, rebellious, and stubborn. Hmm. All right. Let's, look, let's fill in some blanks here. Number one, the absence of blessing in our life, or you could even, I put a little hyphen up there, nation hmm. instead of life. Because we are talking about blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The absence of blessing in our nation may be an indication of disobedience. Would you say that's a pretty safe assumption for America right now? We've been disobedient to God. And when that happens, the enemy gains access. Number two, when a nation is blessed by God, he puts a hedge of protection around it. And we'll, we'll learn next week this works on an individual level as well. You know, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of that movie, what was it, Independence Day? Remember where the, they're in their jets and they're going to hit this mothership and they fire at it and it's got this shield around it. And they go, what? It said, the bombs aren't getting through. You know, that's, that's the hedge of blessing around a nation. And then it releases all their warriors and they start firing at them and there's the, there's the protection around them too. That's the individual hedge. That's a good analogy. And that's exactly how God does it. We're, we're, we, when we're in the blessing, we have a hedge individually of protection around us. And even though America's hedge is dissolving, I still have this hedge of blessing if I'll observe to do all that he commanded. God's not going to let me down. He's going he's to honor his word if I'll honor it. Amen? Hallelujah. Number three, let's, let's just read, uh, go back to Isaiah. Let's read uh, Isaiah 5.5 5 before we fill in this blank. Isaiah 5.5, 5, and we'll finish out here with uh, the rest of the way in Isaiah. Uh, okay, so verse 4 said, uh, what more could I have done, remember? What more could I have done to my vineyard? I prepared it. I, I did all the necessary things so you could walk in blessing. And then verse 5, he gets down here. And now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. This is exactly what's happened to America, and the first heart sign of this harbinger was 9-11. And we still didn't see it. The church did not get it. All the, remember we said all the people started going to church, but they didn't meet Jesus in church, because if they would have, they'd have stayed. But it lasted, the revival in America lasted about two weeks, and they were, all the people of the world were tired of it by then, and I don't blame them. Don't blame them. I, don't, I wouldn't want them to go get plugged into a worldly church. If Jesus was really there, he would have attracted them and they would have stayed. 
Now, maybe a few disobedient people or stubborn, rebellious people might not. But generally, when Jesus is manifest, you're attracted to him. Whew. Okay. So, let's, let's fill in the blanks here. Number three, disobedience causes the hedge to dissolve, giving the enemy access. And so that's what happened at 9-11. See, for the first time in our entire life, U.S. soil was invaded. And we're under invasion right now from foreign countries. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned and break down the wall, and it shall be trampled down. And we know that everything that's going on in the spirit realm, there'll be like a physical, yes. you know. And it just made me think about how now our border is completely broken oh. down, yes. and we're being invaded by yeah. people from all over the place, and the fentanyl coming and everything. And go. I had not thought about that. That just yeah. hit me when I read mm-hmm. that. That's good, baby. Yeah, the enemy now that he's infiltrated America, now he's got our borders down. The hedge is down. He's just making sure it's going to stay that way. We're getting all kinds of activity at the borders, letting in more and more darkness. Number four, by our own words, we will be justified or condemned. Now... Let's look at Isaiah 5, 6. This is good. This is good stuff here. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug. In other words, God's hand of blessing is not going to be on it anymore. But there shall come up. Now, here's what I want you to get. Briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. Now, what I want you to get out of this, I've never seen this before. And this has been one of my favorite parables in the Old Testament for 20 years. I just got a revelation. Uh, Briars and thorns don't just zap up overnight. It's the result of neglected soil. And so, in other words... This isn't so much God actively cursing America. No, it's him stepping back. Oh, okay. You want to go your own way? Okay. And then the, the hedge starts to dissolve. And slowly but surely, thorns and thistles, which are always symbolic in Scripture of demonic presence or opposition, start to come in. So it, And it's the result of neglect, not God cursing you or cursing the nation. I know the wording gets confusing sometimes in the Old Testament, but it's always, if you'll study the Hebrew out, it's always a passive stepping back, even though God pronounces it in such a way because he is sovereign and he knows this. He already warned them in Deuteronomy. He said, look, if you don't obey my words, guess what? The curse that's already out there, it's going to overtake you. It's out there. It's been out there since Genesis. And when we don't stay under the shadow of the Almighty, we start exposing ourselves to what's already out there. 
And it's just a matter of time before, if we keep neglecting, it's just a matter of time before they choke everything out. And you end up being more cursed, even though you're blessed in Jesus. See, the thing that has changed is the Old Testament way to be blessed was to obey without fail. Here in the New Testament, we still want to obey without fail, but it's by faith. Because Jesus did everything. Jesus is that blessing. He restored everything back to the Edenic covenant. But, however, we can be in Christ and die and go to heaven someday and not enjoy the blessings. And not understand what it's all about. And that's what we're talking about here. Exposing ourselves to the curse. We've already seen it as a nation. And now we're seeing it in the church. The church is apostatizing before our very eyes. Okay, um, now let's look at verse 7. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. We mentioned that in the opening. It's also the church, as we've talked about. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. He looked for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. See, remember when I said God's expecting something from national leadership? God expects our leaders to dispense justice. He expects national leadership to rule with righteousness. And when they don't, they'll be judged. That's why I'm saying we're not under judgment yet because God's not going to judge you and I who are under the blessing He's going to judge the leadership that is corrupt. And they're not being judged right now, are they? He's given them plenty of time to repent. They're going to be sorry if they don't. Because I'm telling you right now, prophetically, judgment is coming. And if the rapture, it's either judgment or the rapture. If the rapture's not coming for another 20 years, guess what? Judgment's going to come on these people. Because this can't go on like this. It's not going to allow this to continue. Okay. Are we getting anything out of this? So, uh, verse 8. Now we're going to move in real quickly to six woes that are pronounced. Six woes will be pronounced on all the ungodly leadership. Woe to those who join. Well, let me just, before we, we leave. You know, we talk, God expects justice. Have you ever seen such injustice in America? I mean, the other side can break any law they want to, and, nothing, and it can even be exposed. And nothing happens. But if a conservative, Christian-valued person breaks one little deal that they don't like, they throw them in jail and don't even give them an attorney. If he marches at the Capitol and... and you know, Grandpa's up there waving the Trump flag. He's thrown in D.C. prison. I mean, for crying out loud, that's injustice. Yes. They weren't even, they were blocks away from the Capitol on uh, January 6th. And they still got questioned by the FBI. And now she's being... I don't know what's going on with her, but I got an email that something's going down. She's out of Tulsa, and she's like, please pray because we're under major attack, and they've been 
questioned by the FBI, they didn't even go to the Capitol till way hours after all that happened, and they were just praying. Yeah. We don't know what we don't know what awaits America. Um, I want to say this: persecution could get real bad for the true believers. If it does, we need to look at people like Daniel, like Joseph, right? I'm sure Joseph didn't like being thrown into a pit and sold into slavery, but the blessing stayed on him. And even when he was in prison, he got to the highest place. And then he, he went and he, he ended up being second in command. Daniel, likewise, I'm sure he didn't like being dragged out of his home country into Babylon and given a pagan name. But nonetheless, the blessing stayed on him. And he went up to Nebuchadnezzar, loved him. He was his right-hand man and his right-hand interpreter. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar looked to him for wisdom. So the blessing, it's so important for you and I because persecution could be bad. But listen, and there may be some things happen to us that we don't like. But if we'll stay obedient, we'll stay. The blessing will stay on us. And things may happen, but... The blessing, you're still going to want the blessing. Amen? So here's, here's six woes that are pronounced on this ungodly leadership. Uh, woe to those who join house to house, and they add to field until there's no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. Let's go to the next one. Uh, next couple, of, let's, let's go up to 10 even. Uh, the, in my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, Truly, many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitant. One more. For 10 acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield one ephah. So in other words, this woe is pronounced on these. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? Remember when Ahab killed what, Nabal or whatever his name was? He, he, he wanted to expand his gardens. And, and uh, so he comes home. He's sorrowful. Jezebel's like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I wanted to expand my gardens, but Nabad, he won't sell me the property. You're the king. Get rid of him and take it. So he ends up killing the guy just so he can expand his gardens. That's exactly a picture of what's going on here. And he says... Listen, when the woe comes, when the judgment comes upon you, all that land you've acquired, you're squeezing everybody else out of it, it is not going to produce for you. It's not going to produce for you. It's not going to be all that you thought it was. Let's go to the second woe. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night, till wine inflames them. Let's go to verse 12. The harp and the strings, the tambourine and flute and wine are in their feast, but they do not regard the work of the Lord, nor consider the operation of his hands. So, man, when I read this, it reminded me of my past. Because if anybody fit this to a T, it was me and the, my band members. We partied like till the wee hour, well, till dawn, the next day, all night long, going to after parties after we played in the clubs, partying all night, playing music. And these, these very instruments that, that, that are mentioned in the scriptures are the very instruments that Moses ordained and sanctified for worship in the tabernacle. 
And so now, rather than these instruments being instruments to sanctified to worship God, they're used for self-indulgence and personal hedonism. Just partying. And he's, what he's saying is, look, you're, you're going to sleep right through all this because your drunken party attitude and, and you're going to end up judged without anything. This is verse 13. Look here. Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Remember last week if on your handout, one of, the, one of the signs of being in the curse was captivity. And that doesn't necessarily... Remember, this is a spiritual as well. More so for us now in the new covenant, these things are... Doesn't mean the physical doesn't exist, but literally... You'll get, demons will take you captive. You'll be carried away captive. And it's because you have no knowledge of of the word of God. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. And, you know, even Hosea prophesied, I think, or Amos said there's, and we're living in these days now, that the days are coming where there's going to be a famine, not of bread, but of the word of God. Why? People like this. People who'd rather party than go to church and learn the word of God. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Not only do your crops physically not produce, but the gardens, the soil of your garden of your heart doesn't produce anymore. And the Amos even went in to say, you'll, you'll seek it diligently, but I'm not going to give it. That's what happens when you fall under the curse and it's too late, you didn't repent, and the woes start to fall. Um, let's move down to 16 and 17. This is very interesting. This came out of left field for me, and I never noticed this before. It's almost like it doesn't belong. But, aren't you glad for buts? But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Next one. Then, in other words, once this judgment falls, the lambs shall feed in their pasture, and in the waste places of the fat ones Strangers shall eat. That could pertain to us Gentiles even. But listen, I I studied this out, pulled up many, many commentaries on it. And here's what I came up with. The remnant who survive this judgment will be the ones who feed on the desolated estates of the covetous who have been judged. (laughs) Yes, laid up for the righteous. Exactly. So again, you know, Joseph, Daniel, these, these guys are prime examples. Even though bad things began to happen, the blessing stayed on them, and eventually, guess what? They inherit all the stuff that was taken from the cruel tyrants who were in charge. Mm. Oh, Lord, I look forward to that. Verses 18 and 19 is the third woe. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if with a cart rope. 
Let's go to the next one. That say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. Notice the H's are capital. They're, they're, they're mocking God here. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. So this is woe against open rebellion and people who mock God openly. Do you all need to fill in some blanks? Starting with verse uh, 5 on your fill-in sheet, number 5. The curse is brought on by neglecting God's word. The curse is brought on by neglecting God's word. And number six, six woes are proclaimed in Isaiah 5, 8 through 22. Now we'll go down to the third woe. Uh, The first woe is greed. We talked about that. The second woe is drunkenness and revelry. The third woe is open rebellion and, of course, mocking God. And you know what? We've got a lot of our leadership doing that very thing. I honestly think uh, some of the tyrants who are in charge right now are literally Satan worshipers. And they mock God openly. And they worship Satan in their secret little ceremonies, which got exposed... And again, nothing happened. Nothing came of it. Okay. Let's move to the fourth woe. We're running out of time. This is, this is one that everybody knows this. Woe to those. Is this going on in America now? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. All right. We're calling it good to teach our six-year-old children how to become gay. Yeah, but our leaders are. Remember, we're talking about national blesses the nation, or in our case, cursed. We've opened ourselves up to the curse because of stuff like this, and the woes have been pronounced. Judgment is going to follow. Now, believe me, I want to believe the rapture's fixing to happen, and I'm looking for it, but it may not. It could be 50 years. It could be 100 years. I don't know, but the good news is, what follows woes is judgment on the national leadership. Let's go to verse 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So let's fill in a couple of more blanks. Number 10, the fourth woe is calling good evil and evil good. Number 11, The fifth woe is self-conceit or self-confidence. And and I like to put it this way. We've been talking about this at Ignite the Fire. These are unrepentant, unteachable people. They're, They're unteachable because they're unrepentant. You know, that's what repentance is, is changing our thinking. It's finding out... I've been thinking about this wrong. I've been looking at this wrong. And I turn away from that and I begin to think differently. I'm looking towards God now and I'm thinking the way God wants me and intended on me to think. That's repentant. Now I've just moved from an unteachable position 
to revelation and teaching. Hallelujah. God is good. And, and as evil as all these people are, as evil as all the tyrants are that are in charge right now in America, if they'd repent, God would embrace them that fast and give them everything you and I have access to. Amen. Amen. We got one more. Might as well finish up. Verse 22 and 23 is the sixth woe. And this sounds kind of like the, the second woe, but it's woe to men mighty at drinking wine, woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Verse 23. Who justified the wicked for a bribe. So we're getting a little insight here who he's talking about. These are leaderships. These are elites. And they take away justice from the righteous man. These are the elite cabalists who, yes, they may not be in the group that stays all night long at the, the party after the dive. <laughs> no, they, they still hold responsible positions in society. And because of their intoxicating drink and their intoxicated spirit, they make poor, corrupt decisions. And that's where a lot of our leaders are. A lot of our leadership in, in Washington and these, these tyrants, I guarantee you they're at parties, partying down, drinking, worshiping Satan, and they're making deals, making bribes. And they're going to be judged. And they better wake up. I hope y'all are getting something out of this. We're going to move in next week to... Uh, personal blessing on an individual basis, but this was a pretty good brief study on what it means to be blessed as a nation and what, how we slip out of that blessing uh, by disobedience and faithlessness. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. We worship you. Regardless of what's going on in this world, Lord, we choose blessing tonight. We choose to be obedient to you because we love Jesus Christ we want to exercise faith in everything that you said. We believe you, Lord. We believe everything you promised will come to pass in our lives. Even if our country's going down the tubes, you will not let your word go void or unanswered that's in our hearts. And so, Father, that's where we stand tonight. We worship you. We exalt you. We love you. And we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. Love you guys. Be salt, be light.